hearts and minds for today's message about being positively content from Pastor Gary House. Thank you. It's a joy to have you and to be with you today, whether you're in the courtyard or you're online and joining us that way. It's a joy to be with you and because this is a day the Lord's made. And he's made it all day as well, by the way. So uh, whether you have challenges with the day or what goes on for your, in your life, God is there with us. You know, running to the Father is such an integral, important aspect for our lives to really begin to realize, I need to run to him. And in no less true than in a moment like this that we're walking through in this season of time. You know, none of us wanted to have this happen to us where we get kind of um, uh, hindered as far as what our freedoms have been and things we enjoy, and yet that's where we're at. And it's a good time for us to, as it were, run to the Father and say, okay, Father God, how do I deal with this? How do I cope with this? And part of our message this morning will go into some of that, but I wanted us to do one thing before I get into the message and that is, I wanted us to pray, because sometimes we, as Christians, can face things and feel like, I need to kind of just roll over and just accept it because it's what's happening. And I want to submit to you that I believe we need to aggressively really be praying over the whole COVID situation, not because of the, of the discomfort or the frustrations it brings, but because of the reality that it's a disease that Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay that it might be healed. And I would like to invite you to join me in prayer along that line. You may have loved ones that are dealing with this right, right now, and as I do. And I want to invite you to just take a stance with me that we just stand and say no to this. We lay claim to the power of Jesus Christ to come to bear upon this situation. So would you join with me and let's pray. Father, we open up our hearts to you. And as the song just said, we run to you because you have so much available for us to draw upon because of who you are. But Lord, we run to you today and begin to take a stance against this whole COVID uh, situation that has been brought uh, our pathway. Lord, whether it's whatever the reasons how it got here, it's here. And Lord, we take a stance as believers in the word of God that your word says, I am the Lord that heals you. And Lord, we apply that over the whole COVID situation. We apply it over family and friends that may already be burdened by it and infected by it. And we pray that there just come an eradication of this whole virus in the name of Jesus. And that, Lord, there might be a freeing of the complexities and the difficulties that brought on because of it, let alone, Lord, as it were, almost the silencing of so much of life and living. So, Lord, we declare, God, your power and the redeemed power of Jesus Christ that paid for our healing and our restoration, our wholeness. And we apply that over this whole COVID situation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, get, this morning we get to talk about positively content. Now, I knew I didn't get any amens on that one, but that's all right. Let me go on and all. Well, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, and starting in verse 10. Now, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, the New International Version, and so that if it's a little different than your normal version, you'll understand why. 
It reads this way from verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in need or in want. I can do all this through him, capital him, who gives us strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and am more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. Multiply its impact into our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. There's three words I want to offer to you this morning and to think about with me as we probe this whole portion of Scripture. The words are this, content, content, and content. Now, we'll have a race on that after the service and all in the, in the outside in the parking lot. See how, how quickly you can say that 10 times uh, before you totally are confused. You know, but right now, I want you to think with me together to look at some of the thoughts concerning these three words. First of all, content has to do with the fact of something that's contained with something else. You open up a book, and even in our Bibles, you have a table of contents. You have another book that'll usually have a list of all the chapters and things like that that are contained within that. In this room right now, in the courtyard, there is contents. Uh, we may kind of bristle a little bit with that idea, but in sense, we're kind of contents. There are chairs that are there. There's uh, right now a podium where I'm at and a microphone, a lot of other things that are in here. But there's contents within something, something that's contained within another thing. The second word is content. Content has to do with a state of mind in how someone approaches something. How we view it, how we look at it, how we process what we do with it. Some examples of that that we might consider is she was content with her life as it was. The baby looks content in the crib. I'd be content with a warm meal and a clean place to sleep, you know. That, for some people, that would be very true right now. Or maybe in a more formal sense, it's used to say to make someone pleased or satisfied to make someone content. Now, the third word is contend, and it has to do with the battle, combat, struggle, wrestle, to strive against toward victory. 
And it's a very important word in this context and in the scripture. And as I was studying this out, one of the things the Lord drew my attention to was verse 1 of chapter 4. And the one phrase that's in there, Paul says this. He says, stand firm, or in the Greek it actually is the word contend, in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So stand firm, content, contend in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Very interesting thing. He says, this is what you need to do. And so to me, he begins to lay out the rest of the chapter. Here's how to contend or stand firm in your faith in the Lord. And I don't know about you, but that's something I want to know and understand. And as we've been studying this uh, over the last weeks, we begin to learn several factors that are important for us to continue to implement into our lives. Let me review them with you quickly. In, ch in chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, we find there was a disagreement between two ladies. And they were even encouraged. Paul writes as he does there, and he says, Some of you that are the elders, the leaders within the church, I want you to help these ladies get the disagreement resolved. I don't know about you, but there's some disagreements I don't like to resolve. I imagine you don't feel that way. Of course, you're, you're more spiritual than I am, obviously. But, you know, there, there's those things where you just say, I just don't really want to resolve this. I don't want to make it right. I don't want to see it fixed and so forth. Well, I don't know what the reasons necessarily for these ladies might have been, but the point I want to make out of it is part of the idea of standing firm in the Lord is that we deal with our disagreements. We don't let them just go. We don't let them remain. We work on them by the Spirit of God to see resolve take place. Don't let things go. It's an interesting thing Paul writes in Ephesians that he's talking about anger. He says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, don't let it be something that lingers and continues within your life. Take care of it. So number one is the fact of dealing with disagreements. Number two, uh, in verse four, talks about rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Praise is a very vital aspect that if we're going to stand firm in the things of God and our faith in the Lord, we need to learn to praise and praise a lot. Now, let me give a simple definition for two words here. One is the word praise, the other is worship. Praise has to do with the fact that we come before the Lord and acknowledge and give appreciation and thankfulness for what he has done. Worship has to do with acknowledging who he is. It's an important aspect to understand that we realize that both are important where I begin to remind myself, this is who my God is. But it's just as important to come before him and say, oh God, you've done so many wonderful things for me. Thank you. And we give him praise and honor and glory because of who he is. Number three was the fact that we talked about maintaining a gentle spirit. Part of the rest of that thought behind the gentle spirit is a graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, patience. Qualities that, I don't know about you, don't come naturally to me. I mean, I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh, man, I'll be patient today. You know, it takes a little bit of development and a couple cups of coffee. And you know, then I begin to help move into that realm and that aspect. But, you know, it, it's a point where we need to allow the Spirit of God to develop in our lives of gentleness with one another, with circumstances, with people, with things that go on around us. Another thing that we talked about was keep in mind that the Lord is present. 
God is present. He's always with me. Do you, do you consciously realize that there's not a single place you can go to or be at but what God is there? He's never deserting you. He's never walking away from you. He's never distant from you. He's there. Now, that's a both encouragement and scary a little bit. When you begin to realize that, God, you're really with me. I'm never left alone. But at the same time, he's also aware of everything about my life and everything that's going on with my life as well. But God is near is a precious promise that we have in our lives. We also talked a little bit about verse 6, about don't worry, be praying. Now, some of you that are my age and all, you say, no, wait a minute, that's supposed to be don't worry, be happy. No, that's not the Bible way to say it. It's don't worry, be praying. Because prayer will make a difference in what's going on in my life. And as we rehearsed that and talked about, and keeping in mind again, all of this we're talking about of standing firm in the Lord. How do I do that? How do I contend against the things in front of me and around me or affecting me? Part of it is this fact of learning to stand in prayer. Then we also talked about peace. Keep the peace. You know, one of the things I often tell people when I counsel with them, that, that we often probe over the idea and say, how much peace are you enjoying right now? And I'll also somewhere along the line talk about the fact of how much peace did Jesus pay for? Well, the answer is all of it. He paid for every bit that I need for my life to help me walk through with assurance that he's with me and able to see me through. That's the kind of peace. Let me suggest to you, don't leave home without the peace of God. Don't be at home without the peace of God. Don't go to sleep without the peace of God. Don't wake up without the peace of God. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying whenever you feel the disruption, discomfort, a sense of, of foreboding, uncertainties, those are sy symptoms of realizing something's happened with the peace of God in me. And you need to strive toward, Lord, I want that back. I want to recover that. I want to see that over my life. Another thing we talked about last week was watch how you think on a daily basis. And uh, I don't know about you, but I changed that for me. And I said, watch how you think, Gary, every minute. Because <laughs> you know, I have so many thoughts that go in and out, as we heard last week. Some 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts that run through our brains throughout the day. And you know, it's an amazing uh, thought, isn't it? But we are to watch those thoughts and what we do with them because we want to stand firm in the Lord. And then we learned also as well in verse 9 that if you continue living what I have taught you, Paul says, you will have the peace of God. It seems to imply that Paul truly had had to learn to live like this in his life. Paul doesn't come along and say, hey, just do this because it's really easy, it's simple to do. No, he had to learn it. That means he had to go through things that caused him to have to do all of these things in his life. It wasn't just some spouting off of some theological, nice wording of things to say. These are things Paul had to learn and to apply into his life, which comforts me because if Paul had to learn it, that helps me to realize, hey, it's okay, Gary, that you don't get it the first time or maybe the second time or the third time. Well, we'll stop there. 
But, you know, sometimes we kind of feel like, hey, I should have it now. I should have it together. I should understand it all. But it's a learning process that God walks us through, and he's willing to do that. And by the way, God is content with us taking time to process what we need to do in our lives because he'll wait, and he's patient in so doing. Which brings us to the idea of content today. So I, I want us to think about a couple of thought points. There are so many directions to go with this topic. But I, I've chosen really kind of narrow down just a couple of thoughts with us to think before we come to a point of kind of application to it into our lives. I ran across a, a quote by uh, Dr. Chuck Swindoll. And he said this, We'll miss contentment if keeping rather than releasing becomes our objective. We too often love things and use people. When we should be using things and loving people, we are most content when we're, here's three things. Number one, grateful for what we have. Paul exhibited that. He expressed even in this chapter how grateful he was for the church of Philippi and how they had assisted him and blessed him and walked him through when he had the need. He was thankful for that. I have to ask myself the question, Gary, how thankful are you in general toward people about circumstances, what God has done in my life? How grateful am I in how I respond? Second thing Dr. Swindoll brings out is that we are most content when we're satisfied with what we make. Ouch. I don't know about you. You know, that kind of hits you at home. Say, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I just, you know, I, I, I wish I could have a little bit more. I remember a quote years ago given by, by um, Mr. Rockefeller. He was interviewed by this uh, reporter and Kind of an interesting question to be asked at all, but he was asked this question. He was asked, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? And his answer was interesting. He said, just a little bit more. Wow. Just a little bit more. And I think there's a prevailing philosophy in our culture that that's kind of the way we seem to live out. I'm not blaming Mr. Rockefeller for that. I'm just simply saying it seems to be a, an attitude that we have within our culture. If I just had a little bit more, if I just had this thing, or if I just had access to these things available to me, then I, everything would be okay. But I have to ask you the question, would it? Because he talks about the fact, and I like how he, Dr. Swindoll puts it here, satisfied with what we make. Why can I do that? Because I trust God. I put my confidence in, in him. Third thing he mentioned was this. We are most content when we're generous to those in need. Generous to those in need. How many people do we recognize? And even in our situation right now, we have a variety of different um, organizations that you can give to to help uh, this situation, that situation. I know in, in Foursquare, one of the things that we've been doing recently is just uh, giving toward Honduras and helping them with relief uh, because of the storms that they've had to face and the things, devastation that it's caused in that nation. 
And, but there's many other things that are available. Uh, you know, the Samaritan's Purse brings out every year the uh, Christmas child operation. And it's just interesting thoughts of things to be able to give. But aside from all that, what's my heart like? To be content is learning to be generous. Generosity doesn't always have to be just money. That's the way our minds usually go to, that that's the only way I can do this. But it can also be my time. It can be a listening ear. It can be advice. It can be just help alongside somebody. You know, in this situation we're in right now, it's calling up somebody and say, hey, do you have enough groceries? Do you need something from the store? Can I go help you get it for you? Um, can I help you process whatever it might be in your life? What a blessing it is to people. And that's what Paul says here. He says, the church at Philippi, you have been a blessing to me. And Paul seeks to say, I want to see God bless you now. And by the way, may I encourage us to be people that really prayerfully begin to speak out and pray God's blessing over other people. Even people sometimes that we may look at and say, uh, they don't deserve it. <laughs> Maybe you don't have people like that in your life. But, uh, you know, there's a couple of people like that around me that I can look at and say, oh, God, I don't want to bless them because <laughs> they don't deserve it in my estimation. But it is about deserving. It's about a heart condition in me that I need to be a blessing, generous person to bless others and to minister to them. So it's a very important to uh, offer those things, as Dr. Swindoll mentioned. Let me talk about, for a moment, we're looking at content. And sometimes you can understand a word better by looking at its opposite. So I want to look at one of the opposite words that might be used in lieu of contentment. And that's the word envy. Envy. In the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 20, it would call it covet. Not quite a word that we use a lot of today, but uh, a similar meaning in the same point. In other words, I'm not content with what I have. I want what you have. And begin to make that process. Uh, I, I found another quote by a man named Dr. Paul Tripp. He's a uh, noted pastor, psychologist, author, conference speaker, and so forth. Love his writings a lot because they really make me think. And uh, I, I liked what he said here. He says this, Envy is universal because sin is. Envy has its roots in the selfishness of sin, as 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says. Envy, and follow this thought now, envy is self-focused. Because it's self-focused, it's entitled. Because it's entitled, it's demanding. Because it's demanding, it tends to judge the goodness of God by whether he has delivered what you feel entitled to. And because it judges God on that basis, it leads you to question his goodness. Because you question God's goodness, you won't run to him for help. Envy is a spiritual disaster. I'm glad he doesn't end the quote there because you'd almost be depressed. But he goes on to say this. Grace reminds you that you deserve nothing. But it does not stop there. It confronts you with the truth 
that God is gloriously loving, gracious, and kind, that he lavishes on us things we could have never earned. Grace also reminds us that God is wise and he never gets a wrong address. He gives each of us exactly what he knows we need. And it's an amazing thought that that's the kind of God we serve. He knows what we need. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And it's an amazing truth that God comes along and he says, I know what you need, Gary. And sometimes we can look at God and we can say, well, then why do you make me tell you? (laughs) It isn't so much for God's benefit as it is for mine. I have a need to be able to verbalize my dependence and my desire to have God involved into my life. That's why I do that. And as I cry out to God, as we sang earlier, I run to the Father, realizing, you know, I need a surgeon at times to do some things in my life. Boy, I I need somebody that's going to love on me and be faithful and consistent and be all that I need into my life. That's the kind of God we serve. And that's what he makes himself available to do for us and in us. But there's kind of a nagging question in my mind. And... uh, And that is the fact of having to ask the question, why was Paul content? Why was he content? And I think there's an answer in verse 13. In the Amplified Version, it brings it out this way. It says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me. Then catch this, to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. See, Paul was content while he's sitting in jail, remember. He's writing and penning these words by sitting in prison, awaiting the possibility and likelihood of being killed and uh, for his faith. in in the Lord by the emperor at the time. That was the process of what was going through, of what was taking place. And yet in the midst of that and so many other things that he like was facing at the time, he says, I've learned to be content. Why could he do that? Because he recognized that life was not about him. It wasn't about him being strong enough, good enough, equal to the task he recognized that it was Christ's sufficiency. In other words, I draw upon who Jesus Christ is, who is able to go to a cross, hang on that cross, die on that cross, be buried in a grave, and be resurrected, and now rules and reigns in heaven as king of all kings and lord of all lords. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God we're talking about being all-sufficient. And Paul comes along and says, I'm not sufficient enough. I can't cut it. I can't do it. But when I stand in who Jesus Christ is, he enables me to be sufficient. So I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency because he comes along with me and he infuses into me inner strength and confident peace. Wow. Amazing. As we kind of come to a close a little bit, I want to talk just for a moment about two scriptures in the book of Luke. 
And it tells us a little bit of a picture of Jesus and how do we become and stay content? Luke chapter 22, verse 39 to 44. It talks in there that Jesus, as he's going to uh, prepare to go to the cross, and he comes in there and he goes to the garden first. And as he's gathered there, he tells his, his guys that join him there, he says, hey, fellas, I need you to pray for me. And many of you know the story. They went to sleep. Isn't that great prayer partners? <laughs> they have. You know, you, you, wow, guys, come on. Would you, I need some prayer support here. Would you come along and do this? And, uh, but they went to sleep. But nonetheless, as you know, he goes on a little further. And he begins to fall on his face before the Lord. And the scripture says this. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Now, I don't know about you. I can relate with that prayer thus far. I, I, I really can. I, I can, yeah, yeah, Lord, would you take this misery away? Would you take this problem away? Would you take this there? You know, I've prayed those prayers before, you know, quite honestly. And uh, I won't ask you if you have or not, but that's fine. But Jesus began to say, Father, if there's any other plan, there's any other way, if you come up with another course of action, I'd like us to talk about it, Father. But then he says this, and you're, most of you are aware of this. He says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That's so touching to me. Because you begin to realize, how did Jesus remain content going to a dirty, rotten cross? Because he came to the point of surrender. Oftentimes, we want our way so badly that we won't surrender to God's way. And I want to submit to us that it is important for us to come to that kind of point where we begin to recognize it's not my will, God, that's important. It's your will to be done. And that all comes because I know who God is. See, God doesn't come along when I say, okay, God, I surrender all to you. He doesn't come along and say, oh, okay, great. Now let me see you just fall. No, he begins to come and send everything that we need to enable us to fulfill his will. Let me show that to you in the next verse. It says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Jesus cries out with this, not my will, but your will be done, Father, and all. And then Father God sends an angel down and says, strengthen him to be able to handle the next few hours that he's going to have to endure through the cross. What is it that God wants to begin to send our way to strengthen us to walk through the things that we feel as though I can never make it through? God wants to bring that into bear upon us. And one of the ways that we enter into that is by way of surrender to his plan and his ways and what God wants to do with my life and in my life. The surrender will bring the contentment. He's strengthened and enabled to get up and Jesus goes on through the rest of the hours ahead of him that he would face. And then in chapter 23 and verse 44 to 46 it's another interesting statement in here. Jesus is on the cross toward the, the end of his time there. And it says in this portion, in verse 46, he says, 
Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. A second thing in how to be content is surrender first and then trust. Let me suggest this to you. Do you trust God? Say, Gary, sure. You know, I, I, I trust God. Well, we learn whether we do or not, myself included, when we're faced with those challenges that we don't know what to do with. That's the moment we begin to find out, do I really trust God? See, contentment is coming to that point of saying, I know you know better than I do, therefore I surrender to your will and your ways. And by the way, Lord, when I'm pressed with the obstacles in front of me, I choose to trust in you and put my confidence in you totally and completely. There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, that just challenged my heart. And, and the Lord just really began to deal with my heart as saying about my contentment or not. Let me read it to you. This is also out of the amplified rendering. It says, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethical. Now, don't get hung up with just the wording of money itself. But look at the fact of what we've already said, learning to be a generous person and giving of what we have to offer to be of help to other people. Going on in the verse, it says, being content with what you have. For he has said, it's capital H there, for God has said, notice this, I love this. And for some of you, you really need to hear this today and you need to grab onto it and say, that's for me today. That's for me. Here's what it says. I will never, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort are encouraged and confidently say, the Lord is my helper in time of need. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So you come to that point of assurance of what God is able to do within your life and what God wants to do. The other day I was listening to some worship and a song came on that was new in melody, I was, but I was familiar with the words. And the words were, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The only way to describe what happened next was to say, I, 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 I saw a vision. I knew I wasn't dreaming because I wasn't asleep. But what I saw in that moment just caused me to weep. 
I saw, as it were, a sea of people. And they were all dressed in white. I assume from what I was seeing, it was likely heaven because that one end of, of the section of the area, there seemed to be a bright, shining uh, aspect. Not that I saw God or anything like that. It just was a shining glory essence that was all there, bright as bright could be. And as I looked at all of that, they were singing this song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I was struck with the fact of all of a sudden what they did was all of them just began to kneel before the Lord. And what was ironic about it was they did it in unison. I mean, you didn't see one kneeling down, another one kneeling down, but everybody all at once just knelt before the Lord. And at that moment, I just heard the Lord just speak something to my heart. And he said, this is contentment. This is contentment. When you know who's in control of your life, when you know who's in charge, when you recognize the ability and power to do what you can't do, contentment is found there. And the Lord gave me an understanding of something. You know, when you're bowing all the way down like this, you can't do a whole lot to protect yourself. And the Lord says, when you're bowing before me in humility and humbleness and surrender, you no longer have to worry about your past and your back because I got to take care of that. And you don't have to worry about what's in front of you in your future because I got that too. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, Gary, enjoy the moment with me. Enjoy the moment with me. You know, as we look in our lives sometimes, we wonder, what am I going to do in handling the things? And my thoughts, they went to Paul and thinking about that as I was thinking all week along the lines of our, this message. Was this what Paul may have been trying to describe here when he's sitting in prison with this possibility of death in front of him? Is this why he was not worried about the amount of resources he had because he knew God was in total control? How did he know that God was slash is all sufficient with the strength to do God's will and purpose and fulfill all that God wanted him to do as well as supply all that he needed to accomplish God's plan in his life? Is that what Paul is trying to say? And I want to submit to us, yes. That's what Paul's trying to communicate. To the point where I don't have to worry about what's been and fret over trying to do something with it. I don't have to anticipate what's going to be 
Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to, so you don't have to write me an email and say, hey, Gary, what about planning and scheduling? And I, I understand those things. I'm talking about my inner response to life of my past and in my future. That I can be at rest and be at peace because I know who's in control. How about you today? These are questions I've had to wrestle with all week. And you just get you get to just get the ending part of it here for today. But are you learning to be content? Again, as I said before, this is a process. You're not going to get finished today. But maybe for some of us, we need to make a restart today. Saying, God, I want to initiate afresh the idea of walking in contentment in you because I have confidence and trust in you fully and completely. That you know what's going on and you know how to get me through things. You may also be here today or maybe you're listening online right now and you've heard all that's been talked about and said, boy, that sounds kind of good and so forth, but I don't know how to get there. Maybe you need to start a relationship with God. Maybe you need to take the opportunity of focusing in and say, God, I've tried to run my life myself. I haven't done a real good job. I need help. God's just waiting to respond to that for you and into your life because he loves you so much and what has a plan for you that will make a difference in the days ahead in your life. Today can be your day to say, God, I want you in my life. I want to have a relationship with you and I want to walk with you the rest of my life. If that would be true and you're watching uh, online, we have pastors that are there. They've likely been already communicating with you some in the, in the chat area. And you just need to write in there and say, hey, I, I, I need prayer or I want to open up my heart to Jesus Christ and let him be my Savior and my Lord in my life today. Whatever your need might be, reach out to them. Yeah, and for those of you that are in the courtyard with me right now, take the opportunity with me and let's do, though we may not do it physically, but as I pray, would you let your heart heal before the Lord? Would you kneel before him and say, God, I want to surrender to control. Maybe there's areas of our lives where we kind of, we try to, I can get this out, I can do this, I can make this work. <laughs> as I've heard Dr. Phil McGraw say so many times, how's that working for you? You know, we can kind of come along sometimes and think, man, I can do it, I can do it all myself. And God says, ah, when you're ready to give me the shot, let me know. Because I can do it so much better. Maybe we need to reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to surrender all to you and do it your way. And let God do his best in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we open up our hearts to you. And God, in so doing, we just begin to allow you, by the Spirit of God, to breathe into us a refreshing God, we've studied so much in this chapter and there's so much yet that could be drawn out of it yet. 
And yet, Lord, we want to be people that stand firm in who you are and in what we believe. We want to take the application of these various points and principles that Paul outlines in this chapter and say, Lord, I want that to be mine. I want to live those things out. No less, Lord, than the one we observe today of learning to be content. Lord, first of all, would you just point out those areas where we're discontent? Maybe we're not even aware of it. As Lord, you were showing me things this week where I wasn't even noticing that I was being discontent in that aspect. Lord, there may be some things for those that are listening today that are in the same boat. Lord, we would take those things and lay them at your feet. And as Jesus' examples offers us, surrender all to you and allow you to be the one that we put our trust in and our faith in and our confidence because you have the answers for all that we need. Lord, I thank you that you've been with us this day. I thank you that you've spoken to us farther beyond what I could ever say. And that, Lord, we walk away from here, not with just a a, a sermon that's been preached or a teaching that's been brought, but with hearing something of the Holy Spirit speaking into us in such a way that we will not be the same as we leave. And we believe all that and we establish it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. The worship team is going to bring us back to a song we already sang together and all but as they do so let me invite you to stand if you will if you're with us in the courtyard or online and I'd like you to do something uh really really strange okay say oh no here's the strange thing why don't you simply take your hands put them out like this as though you were receiving a gift And I want to declare this over you. He, God, has said, I will never, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. And nor will I, in any degree, leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. And then I'd like you to speak these words. Would you speak them with me? They're on the screen. The Lord is my helper in time of need. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? God bless you, church. Thank you for joining with us today. Join us in worship this Wednesday night, 6 p.m., as we lift up praise and honor to the Lord. And secondly, join me in running to the Father this week all the time and let's stay in his presence and become content.